Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Today we want to talk about the supernatural knowledge that God can give. And so we're going to read our verses this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 1, says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. I love the fact, I didn't talk about this last week, but just for two seconds. I love the fact that the Bible calls them dumb idols. Isn't that just kind of encouraging for us? It's not like you were carried away to idols. You were carried away to dumb idols. And so just so you're aware, every one of us still struggles with dumb idols in our lives. You might not be rubbing a Buddha's belly, but you could be holding a remote in your hand too long. And so there could be certain parts of our lives that we just have dumb idols. I'm really stuck on this dumb idols thing. That's really great. I appreciate the word of God this morning. Um, However... You were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We did this last week, but if you weren't with us last week, I just want, if you're a believer in the room, I just want you to say out loud, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So everybody in the room, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So see, the neat thing with it is we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. You already are speaking the Holy Spirit is speaking through you because the scripture tells us that nobody can do it except by the Holy Spirit. So just so you know, these gifts are for you. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing them to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have given us the word of God that we can uh, glean from it and learn from it. This morning, Holy Spirit, hide me behind the cross and let my words be your words this morning. I pray for open ears and open hearts just to receive the word of God this morning and to know that these gifts are for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what is a word of knowledge? The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God. It is a knowledge of things that you would not know through a natural acquisition or study. So this isn't something you can gain by a book. This is a supernatural revelation of God giving you knowledge and something that you have no idea about. This could be the existence or condition or whereabouts of some person or object or place I'm in the, I just finished a book, and it was talking about a gentleman who operates in the words of knowledge, and he will speak words of knowledge. 
and he actually has a close relationship with the police department in his area because he's actually been able to help find lost people. Just expecting a little bit of a, whoa. This is the power of God. We, we see these things. So if you watch TV, and I just talked about having idols, but if you watch TV, you'll see TV shows where the police um, will sometimes go, and now I know it's Hollywood, but psychics will come to the police saying, I can help you find this person. But we're talking about a man of God who leads a church in their area who will, the police will come and say, we can't find this person, can you help us? How can you argue that? When all of a sudden he says, have you looked here? No, but we'll go look. And they find the person. They cannot deny the power of God. And this is where the word of knowledge comes from. This is the word of knowledge that will change people's lives. When you speak into things. I'm not saying, I'm not saying every one of you is going to walk into the police department and be like, hey, I can find somebody. But what I mean, though, is you're going to be able to give um, ideas and revelation that people are blown away by because of knowledge that God has given you. And I need you to understand that this is for you. This isn't just for a pastor or a leader. This is for you. And you can do this. It can be a word of knowledge of what a person has done. It can be a word of knowledge of the nature of his thoughts or a condition of his heart. And it can be the location or occasion of some events. So sometimes you'll get revelations on people and be able to speak into their lives and ask them, hey, does this mean something to you? Does this mean something to you? And God will give you a revelation to open their eyes to know that you are speaking to them by the power of the Lord. Second Kings 5 says this, and we're going to talk for a moment about how a word of knowledge operates. And we're going to look at Elisha and his servant. In 2 Kings, we're going to read chapter 5, verse 20. But Geza, the servant of Elisha, this was right after Elisha told Nahum to go and dunk in the Jordan seven times. And if he dunked seven times in the Jordan, he'd be healed of leprosy. But then Nahum brought all these gifts to give to him, and he said, no, I don't need gifts, just go and do this. And when he came up clean, he was amazed, and he started heading back to his own country. But Elisha's servant saw all of the gifts and went, hold on a second, this is silly. Why aren't we taking these gifts? And so here's what he does. The servant Elisha, the man of God, said, look, my master, he's run up and caught up to Nahum, has spared Nahum the Syrian. Why not receiving from his hand what he brought? But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gaza pursued Nahum. When Nahum saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, is all well? And he said, all is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountain of Ephraim. Please give me a talent of silver and two chains of garments. Just to clarify, he's lying. This is not happening. He's making this all up. So Nahum said, Please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in a bag and two garment change of garments and handed them to handed them to two of his servants and said, and they carried them on ahead of him. Then he came to the 
citadel, and he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. Then he let the man go, and he, they departed. Now when he went, now he went and stood before his master Elisha and said, and Eli, sorry, his master Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gaza? He said, your servant did not go anywhere. He's lying again. Just want to catch everybody up here. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Nahum shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous, as white as snow. I want to show you something here, though. Where in all of this scripture does Gaza ask for Olive Garden? Not the Olive Garden, but Olive Groves. Vineyards. Although the Olive Garden, let's be honest, you're going to ask for something, why not, right? Um, (laughs) Vineyards, the sheep, the oxen, the male and female servants. Where does it say he asked for that? It doesn't say it anywhere. This is Elisha having a word of knowledge. Not only does he share a word of knowledge that I saw you do this, but a word of knowledge if I even know what's in your heart. That the talents, some theologians believe that Elisha knew that in his heart he had the talents to go buy an olive grove and a vineyard. And by having those, he would then have more money but buy sheep and oxen and then he'd be rich and wealthy and have male and female servants. Words of knowledge that speaks even farther than what we have read. I don't know about you, but it always made me nervous when my mom would ask me as a little kid, what have you been up to? I don't know about you, but there's something inside of me that she already knows. I think all moms have words of knowledge just given to them. Men, we strive a little bit harder to get the word of knowledge, but our wives just have it. They say it's eyes in the back of their head. I think it's the Holy Spirit. But we're giving these things, and the word is spoken, and we see how Elisha is able to speak into things that weren't said, but hearts. And we see Jesus do this throughout the scriptures. You'll see where the scriptures say he knew their thoughts. He knew what was in their heart. And he'll speak to it and address it. And these are the words of knowledge. A word of knowledge comes from a revelation without natural effort. So it doesn't come from education. It comes from God. And we read about it in Acts 9, verse 11 and 12. The Lord is talking to Ananias and he says this to him. This is right after Saul is blinded and he goes to Damascus. And he waits there. And the Lord talks to Ananias and says this in verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. So there's two words of knowledge happening here. There's a word of knowledge for Ananias. The Lord is telling him what to do. And even at this moment, Paul, now, or Saul, now Paul, is having the word of knowledge given to him 
that not just somebody is coming to pray for him, but Ananias is coming to pray for him. So it's interesting to me that in this short couple verses, he is given, Ananias is given instruction where to go, he's given direction, who to look for, and information on what to do. So sometimes when we're trying to figure out the path that God has us on or what he wants us to do, sometimes if you ask, he'll tell you. And the interesting thing is is this. So many times as Christians, we always say this, well, if I don't do it and the Lord really wants it done, he'll use somebody else. Anybody else use that excuse besides myself? All right, just me and Sandy. It's all right, Sandy, just you and I, buddy. Everybody else just responds immediately when God says, I need you to give $270,000. Everybody is writing a check right now. If we're all honest, we use the excuse. But here's the interesting thing. Have you ever thought to yourself in this situation, what if Ananias said, somebody else can go? And what if Sandy just happened to walk into this room because he knows, uh, he knows Judas, and he walks in and he says, oh, what's wrong with this guy? Oh, he's blind. Oh, let me pray for you. And Saul goes, hold on, what's your name? Sandy. No, I don't want you to pray for me. Why? Why don't you want prayer? The Lord showed me that a man named Ananias is coming. And I'll be healed when he prays for me. I know many of us are like, no, we'll receive prayer from anybody. But if I knew that if one person was to come and to walk into my house and was to lay hands on me, and I would be healed instantly, I don't know if I'd let anybody else touch me. If I knew, you have to remember, Saul just got blinded by seeing God, and God speaking to him. Do you think he questions the vision he had that Ananias was coming? No, he's pretty clear on understanding who the Lord is at this very moment. And so he's waiting. So sometimes, if you were to ask, if God asks you to do something, you can't chicken out. Because God needs you to do it. Sometimes, you actually have to do what he asks you to do. And by sometimes, I would advise all the time. A word of knowledge depends on the fellowship with God. And we see this and we understand this when Peter, in Matthew 16, Jesus says in verse 13, Then Jesus came to the region of Caesar. Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, who do men say that I, the Son of God, Son of Man, am? They said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, Bajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth you will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Peter walked with Jesus long enough 
that he had a revelation and an understanding of who Jesus was because of the relationship that they had. If you want to have words of knowledge, if you want to have words of wisdom, if you want to have any of the spiritual gifts, you actually have to have a relationship with Jesus because I'm not letting you in on secrets in my life unless I know you, and Jesus isn't going to let you in on his secrets unless he knows you. Scripture tells us that. So how do we get the spiritual gifts? How do we get the fruit of the Spirit operating in our lives? Yes, if the Spirit is in you, you have access to all of this, but if you want it flowing through you, you actually need to be in relationship with him. So when he speaks, you know his voice. The Bible tells us that his sheep know his voice. Do you know the voice of God when he speaks to you? If you're not sure, then I would encourage you this afternoon to find an area in your house that is quiet, turn off any electronic device, especially your phone, leave it in a separate room, and take 10 minutes, five minutes, and sit quietly with the Lord. At Bible study on Thursday night, at the end of it, we just took some time and I asked everybody, where do you need wisdom in your life right now? And just write it on the top of the page, and then we just took time to sit in different areas of the room quietly by ourselves and ask the Lord, Lord, I need wisdom in this area. Can you please give me wisdom? And just write down what he says. You'll be amazed that he actually speaks to you. Write down what he says. I had a friend of mine tell me that a lot of times, I don't know about you, but when I go to sit quietly before the Lord, I get a to-do list. Anybody else, you, get like, you feel you get distracted, and it's like, I just want to spend some time and hear from the Lord, and all of a sudden I hear, like, email this person. Fix this. Do this. And I'm like, man, why am I getting my honey to-do list from the Lord? And I'm writing this down, and I'm writing, but I started writing them down because a friend of mine said this. He said, why do you think it's distraction? How do you know the Lord isn't telling you that today is the day to fix it because it's going to go well? How do you know that today is not the day to call that person because they actually need to hear from somebody today? When it tells you to text somebody, why do you think, how many of us, maybe just me, and I'm fine with that because I know you guys are super holy a few minutes ago that when God says to do something, you just jump to it. But how many of you, when you start getting a to-do list as you're praying and wanting God to speak to you, do you rebuke the enemy? I've done it. Lord, I just want to spend some time with you. Just speak to me. Call Mike. Oh, get lost, enemy. Mike's fine. Help Gary in the flower beds. I know that's not the Lord. How do you know you write these things down? Because that's actually what he wants you to do. He actually needs you to do it. When you're wanting to hear from him, write them down. The flip side is this. If it's actually a to-do list and you know you need to get it done and write it down, you won't forget about it because it's written down so the enemy can't bug you about it. Because if it comes back a second time, you're like, yeah, I got that list here. Now I'm waiting for the Lord to speak. And have two lists. And by the end of it, you'll actually clue in and realize they're both from the Lord. And see what he speaks to you. He wants to speak to you. Depends on our fellowship with the Lord. Some mistakes in the views of concerning the word of knowledge. I want to talk to you just about some mistakes that some people have when it comes to the words of knowledge. Sometimes it can be confused with a natural ability, natural learning, or natural enlightenment. The knowledge that we're talking about, you will not find in a textbook. 
And this is why I always encourage parents, when I was doing youth ministry, I always encourage parents, yes, encourage your students to study. Study students. But your child's GPA will never get them into heaven. It might get them into whatever university you want them to go to, but at the end of the day, I want my kids in heaven. I don't really care what school they go to. Now, we force, we get them to, I don't want to say force, but we make them study. I don't want you to hear me differently, but understand that if we're not teaching our kids that the word of knowledge from God is actually more important than their education, I think we're teaching them wrong. And you can talk to me after if you disagree with me, and I'm fine with that, or we can just agree to disagree. But having a relationship with God to me, is more important than what anybody does. Because I've known too many people that have a lot of money and are miserable. And I've met a lot of people that have very little but have the Lord and are full of joy. And you just have to sit here and know yourself that if you're seeking after a job and a position and money, you know yourself inside that you're not overly happy. But the Lord is what makes us happy. And that's why the Bible tells us, I want to be very clear, the Bible doesn't tell us that money is evil. The Bible tells us that the love of money is evil. And we can only serve two masters, God or money. So don't get me wrong, I do believe that you can have a lot of money and still serve Jesus and love him and him work mightily through you. It's just your heart. Because you can be broke as anything and be miserable and not be loving the Lord either. But I just want to be clear, we have to have our priorities right. But the word of knowledge is not from education. You can have knowledge, but not the word of knowledge that we're talking about. The knowledge that comes by the word of knowledge is not an acquisition, but it's a gift supernaturally imparted from above. Natural knowledge is the fruit of a natural facility. Supernatural is from the Lord. Acts 5 says this in verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, this is a different Ananias. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived these things in your heart? Have you not lied? You have not lied to man, but to God. Peter here has a fresh revelation that Ananias, they sold, if you remember this story, um, they sold property, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold their property, and because of Barnabas, who's actually in Acts 4, who I talked about just for, um, during worship, he sold a bunch of land and he gave all the money to the church, so Ananias and Sapphira saw how he got recognized and they liked the fact that he was like appreciated for what he did and they're like, we should do the same thing because we want to be recognized. But then when it came time, they got all their money, and they were like, ooh, I don't know if we want to get recognized that much. How about we just tell everybody we're giving all of it, and we'll keep this amount for ourselves? So they go, and they do this. Ananias walks, and he does this, and Peter says, why have you done this? You haven't lied to us. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. It was yours in the first place. You could have just said, we're going to keep this much, and we're going to give this much, and nobody would be upset. The Holy Spirit wouldn't be upset. Nobody would be upset. But you try to lie to the Holy Spirit, and Ananias drops dead right there on the spot. And then later, and by later, 
Three verses later. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who are, have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. One of the key lessons here is not to test the Holy Spirit. This is actually New Testament. We think sometimes New Testament is all grace and all forgiveness. Right here is pretty quick. And again, this is just testing the Lord and testing the Holy Spirit. And Peter is given the knowledge to know how much was accurate and how much wasn't. I think it's so neat how the Lord will give us information at the right time. I don't want ever to have that knowledge and see somebody drop dead. That would freak me right out. But I realize that this is New Testament. So there's a part of us that we should not test the Spirit of God. If you say you're going to do something, as Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because it's totally up to you in the first place. The second way that this can be misunderstood is independent. We talked a little bit about studying and all that kind of stuff. It has nothing to do with our education and knowledge of God. It's developed. It is not a development of natural knowledge, but a miracle of divine knowledge. Natural knowledge is a result of natural effort. So a lot of times you can work at something, become more knowledgeable, and it's not necessarily an education, but it's experience. We're not talking about having experiential knowledge. We're talking about somebody speaking into your life something they should not know. You speaking into somebody's life something they should not know. And hear me, I am not talking about knowing somebody else's dirty laundry. I am talking to you about possibly like a book that I've read. One of the things that God speaks to him is names and dates, and he speaks in these dates and names, and it just tears down walls because people observe and go, wait a minute, how do you know that? The Lord speaks to him. He's rhymed off people's addresses. He's described their front door. He's described their house. And they're like, how do you know this? And then he's able to speak into their lives because he's torn down the walls. I don't know about you, but if somebody walked up to me and said to me just out of the random, I didn't know, and he was like, hey, Chad, what does May 28th, 2005 mean to you? And I was like, well, it's my anniversary. Right, Lee? Right, sweet? Little do you know, normally I get it right. Sometimes she doesn't. That's why it was the check. It's true, love. See, if I was listening to the words of knowledge, I wouldn't have said that. But if somebody walked up to you and was able to rhyme off your anniversary, they didn't know you, they'll call you by name. How many of you know you'd listen? A word of knowledge to your neighbor, a word of knowledge to a coworker, speaking life into somebody, opens up doors and opens up their hearts to hear from the Lord and the next thing you're going to say. It could be as simple as, how do you know that? God just gave me these dates and I just thought, I think all he wants you to know is that he loves you, he cares about you, and he has not forgotten you. And whatever you're walking through right now, he knows. And they will hear you and listen 
because there's no way you should have known the other information. These are words of knowledge that will open up for people to see. Natural knowledge can be independent fellowship of God, as in ungodly. You can have natural knowledge and have no relationship with the Lord. So we're talking about supernatural knowledge, supernatural giftings. The gift is also confused with a profound knowledge of the Bible and theology. The things of the word, the things that the word of knowledge reveals cannot be known through the most diligent study of the word of theology. So don't also think the more that you know the word of God, the more words of knowledge you will get. They're different. You can see this as a word of knowledge is outside of that. When you look at when Samuel was a little boy in 1 Samuel 3, when he's a little boy and he's hearing somebody call him and he keeps running back to Eli and he's going to Eli and he's like, yes, what would you like? And Eli's like, I'm not calling you. Go back to bed. And he came back another time. What, is, what would you like? I'm not calling you. Go back to bed. Eli is the priest. And then finally the third time, Eli clues in. Hold on. I think the Lord is calling you. So the next time he calls, just say, your servant is listening. And he responds, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And then God reveals his plan to him and speaks to him and encourages him. The priest didn't even know what was going on. It's not about our understanding of theology. We've gone through a bunch of examples in the scriptures already of words of knowledge, but I want to just give you a few more. And the reason for them, a word of knowledge could be to convince a sinner of the need of a savior. And you think in John 4 when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. Now, if you ever had a word of knowledge in this area, realize that when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, there was nobody around. Not even his disciples were around. He was very private in this conversation. And in the conversation, it was all love and mercy in grace, there was no condemnation. And at the very end of his conversation, he finally says, go and sin no more. He didn't even say anything about her sin. He just pointed out what she was doing. Then he said, go and sin no more. It's all wrapped in love. And that's why I said last week, as Paul says, you can have all these gifts, but if you don't have love, you are a sounding gong. If we want our coworkers and neighbors to hear us with words of wisdom and words of knowledge, and as we get farther in, words of prophecy, we have to have words of love. If you think, Chad, I'm not sure if I have a spiritual gift yet, then just use the fruit of the Spirit called love and love them to Jesus. Let Jesus do the rest. Interesting, we talked a little earlier about discover a man in hiding. Saul when he was appointed king in 1 Samuel 10, 22, it says that he, uh, Samuel asked, is he not here? And they said, God reveals, he's here, but he's just hiding amongst the equipment. So they go and find him, and they pull him out from his hiding spot because God showed them where he was hiding. And then you see the many that we've talked about in the scriptures. These are the reasons for words of knowledge. We have all asked God for words of knowledge, whether you know it or not. How about, if anybody's lost something? Anybody lose something? Okay, seriously, if you don't have your hands up, then you, you guys just are lying in the house of God. Just to warn you about lying in the house of God. Remember, we read back a few little bit. So how many people have lost something before? Oh, look, <laughs> confess, Woo! 
We've all lost something, and how many people in the midst of that have thrown their house upside down and finally went, oh, Lord, can you just show me where this is? And then you find it. Please then say, thank you, Lord. I remember we lost Miles' tablet. He had, we got him a tablet for his birthday, and he only, don't worry, he only allowed a certain amount of time. But because he's only allowed a certain amount of time, when he realizes it's missing, you don't know how long it's been missing for. And all of a sudden, he couldn't find it. And you have to realize, like, we don't have to just search our house. We search our cars. We search the church. We search, like, we search our offices. We search everywhere. And we cannot find this tablet. And we're starting to get a little bit nervous. And Miles' question is, can you buy me another one? <laughs> And so I start asking the Lord, Lord, you know where this tablet is. I need to know where this tablet is. And all of a sudden, I remember Miles and I were leaving the house to get in the car, and I forget where the two of us were going, but we're going for a drive, like a long drive. And so he was kind of like, oh, I really wish I had my tablet because driving's boring. And so we're getting in the car, and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, if you just show us where this tablet is. I remember sitting down, starting the car, and all of a sudden, I see Miles at a doctor's appointment with his tablet. And I remembered immediately, that's the last time he had it. And it's, honestly, I'm watching this movie in my head. And I see him getting up as we go to leave, and he drops it in a backpack that he never really uses. And he pulls a drawstring, and I'm like, I've seen that backpack. And so I quickly turn the car off, I jump out of the car, and Miles like, where are you going? I didn't even say anything. He just ran back inside the house, opened the door, and I reached right like this and grabbed this backpack and opened it up, and there was his tablet. I did say, thank you, Lord. And I came back out to the car, and I, as soon as I walked out the door and I stepped and sat in the car, and I went like this and handed it to him, he immediately went, how did you know? And I'm like, I prayed, and God showed me you at the appointment with your backpack, and he was like, I remember now, but none of us remembered, and so I made Miles, I didn't, well, yeah, I made him, but at that moment, again, we took a minute and prayed and thanked the Lord for showing us where his tablet was. He cares more than just about a tablet, but we've all done it. He will give you words of wisdom. He'll help you solve problems. Ask the Lord for situations in your life. If you're having financial trouble, ask the Lord, Lord, where is my money going that I'm not aware of? And he will show you. He will show you things in your life. He will reveal things to you. He will help you understand where lost things are. He could help reveal where the cause of a sickness in your life. He might just show you how, if you get stomach aches all the time, he might identify something so you link it together. He'll show you things, and you'll be able to not just understand when he gives you words of knowledge. It's not just so you can go, if it's with sickness, like, oh, okay, so that's what's wrong with me. That it's like, okay, now I know what to pray specifically at. Pray specifically against. If you're having strife in your marriage, ask the Lord, Lord, our battle is not against flesh and blood, so therefore tell me, what is the problem? And he will tell you, and then you know what to pray for. Don't be surprised if you ask for that, especially in a relationship. He'll only show you what you're doing wrong because he's God. 
and he knows that you can't change the other person, just yourself. So I would suggest praying it, but just be prepared. He might reveal facts of private life for correction, but it's done out of love, and it's done in a way that other people grow out of it. Melissa did a great message with great illustration of how we like to talk to people and remove specks from their eyes with massive planks in ours. And so if you're going to try to speak into somebody's life, oh, you better be humble. You better come with humility. Because when you come with humility and love, it can be received in love. But if you come with pride, it will not be received. Come gentle, come in love, and please, please make sure that you know it's the Lord. And be cautious. Always come humbly. When it comes to a word of knowledge or prophecy, I never approach it. I want you to hear this. I never approach it with the words, just want you to know what God told me. Can I tell you what God said? You'll be surprised how often your pastor leaves the God, God card aside and just says, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? I feel like I just, see if this makes sense to you and I'll share something. Because if I come at it from that way, I just share, see if this makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, they can go, no, that makes no sense. Oh, okay, no worries. But the moment I say to you, can I just tell you what God told me? How many of you know that you can't really dispute that? And so it's okay just to go, I just feel it. like, can I just share something with you that's on my heart? And how does that sit with you? Oh, it doesn't? Okay, that's good, we'll move on. Oh, it does it mean something? What is it like, what's going on? And then you can pray with them and you can speak in life into them and love them. This always, always, always is about love, love, love. I can give you more examples of how God has shown me things in my own life that needed to be changed and directed and how to change it and how to implement things in my own life, how to find things that I've lost. If you ask him for his help, he will help you. I have two verses I want to share with you and then we're done. Proverbs 2, 1 to 6 says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search her as forbidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and his, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Ephesians 1, 15 to 18 says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding or the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your knowledge and your wisdom. Thank you for how you want to speak in and to us and through us. Lord, help us to always remember that they will know we are disciples by the way we love one another. And so, Lord, help us to love this week. Show us who to smile at. Show us who to open a door for and help us just to love on people. So, Lord, guide us and lead us. Protect us this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. 
Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.